The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. My um, wise and uh, venerable and ancient friend, uh, Duane, uh, has from time to time pointed out to me that sometimes my homilies seem to drone on into eternal life. And so I thought perhaps today, since uh, uh, our homily, our gospel, is about eternal life, that just perhaps I ought to discipline my droning and uh, uh, be more to the point and brief. But as is my custom, it's difficult not to at least tell some sort of a story to sort of frame the tale. Now, driving on the freeway uh, was an odd place to be thinking about eternal life. But I had just been blown off the road by a battlecruiser-sized truck with earth-mover-sized chrome wheels that was towing a Boston Whaler motorboat that made a uh, caravan, a freight train that was pretty monstrous. And the whole train had on it a bumper sticker that said, he who dies with the most toys wins. I thought smugly for a moment before I crossed myself and repented of my, my usual sarcasm. I thought smugly, well, that won't fit into his grave. And then I drifted off, uh, as is often my custom on the road, at 80 to 90 miles an hour. And for some reason, I remembered when I was in kindergarten, and my school teacher, Aunt Frida, gave me something you may not have heard of. She gave me a Viewmaster. Now, for those of you who may be of a certain age, you might remember that a Viewmaster was a sort of binocular-sized contraption that you held up to the light and you viewed circular slides in it, and the slides had incredibly sharp color, incredibly sharp detail, and for a moment it was as if you, you entered into that place that you were traveling to. It was a sort of magical kind of thing that we had these magical devices long before the advent of the iPad. And in many ways, it is very superior to the iPad, I might say. One of the slide sets that she gave me showed the stuff that was found in the ancient Egyptian tomb of King Tutankhamun. He was buried with golden chariots, mummified horses, casks of liquor, and jeweled furniture. Now, King Tut was only 18 when he died, and the Egyptians desired that he have every comfort that he had had in this life, that that would follow him in the life which is to come. I wonder how that's working for the dusty old mummy in the golden coffin. And again later that day, I stood over the grave where my father and mother wait for the resurrection. And on the wind, I could hear the echo of my father's voice, quoting as he often did from Psalms, 
The days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their labor, strength, and sorrow. For it will soon be cut off, and we will fly away. How do we fly away? If we are to fly away to eternal life, we cannot be weighted down by all the goods that we carried, all the goods that we grasped, all the goods we coveted in this life. As Metropolitan Joseph wisely observed, if you want to fly to heaven, you need the small body and big wings of the eagle, not the little wings and the big belly of a chicken. We carry the belly of a chicken sometimes in our worldly goods. Or as an old gospel song said similarly, if you want to get to heaven and watch eternity unfold, you must unload. You must unload. Let that ring in your heart. You must unload. For today, as the Lord says to the young man, sell what you possess and follow me. His command isn't complicated by details or exemptions like the tax code. Yet like the disciples themselves, we tend to quibble in our thoughts as to what this might mean for each one of us. We have complicated portfolios, every one of us. We have complicated lists of things that we possess, things that we cling to, things that, there's an old Anglo-Saxon term, term of the law, personality. It's those things that, have, that you every day carry that so become a part of your person. The things like the sword of an ancient knight, that was personality. It was a thing that kind of became a part of him that he would not have very easily unloaded. We have lots of stuff that is attached to us that we do not easily unload. And so we struggle with what this means for each one of us. And when we can't compute what it means for us, we deflect and we ask about what it means for everyone else. You know, it's sort of that, uh, what does this mean for that man over there? Or, oh, I'm glad I'm not like that rich man over there. I don't possess anything that I really cling to. Well, think about it. And we find ourselves throwing up in our, our hands and saying, well, then who can be saved? We know that the kingdom is not a prosperity scheme where we are guaranteed all the wealth that we name and claim for ourselves and then go on to cling and possess. But we also know that the kingdom is not an enforced communitarian socialist state where no one can excel and there is no individual property and everyone is doled out the same meager portion, except for the bosses, of course. In this life, in the life that we face as regular, everyday Christians, how do we handle wealth and poverty? 
The answer, like a lot of our questions in this life, is that we need to come to Jesus. We need to come to Jesus and ask him. We need to have a conversation with him. We need to stand before his icon. We need to come to him in prayer. There's not a one-size-fits-all answer. We have each one of us somehow to come to encounter the Lord like the young man in the gospel and to be directed by him what we are to do with our possessions. How are we to handle our possessions? For some that may mean that they deal with them as a faithful steward and share them. For some it may mean that they acquire great wealth and then share it. For some, it may mean that they have nothing. There is no one-size-fits-all financial planning in the kingdom of God. Yet he will help us if we come to him and ask. Somehow I do believe our efforts in this ought to capture on earth what is in heaven as, as all things. We should be charitable with those around us because we ourselves have received the charity of God. We, all of us, ought to be charitable with his holy church, for his holy church has been charitable with us. It has provided for our needs. It has fed us. We ought to be charitable with his holy church where we receive the bread of life. So what might all of this all of this pocketbook stuff. Uh, Father Richard of blessed memory used to say that the heart is attached somehow to the pocketbook, that somehow there was a direct line that went between those two. And we all know that in a way to be true. So what does this have to do with our eternal life? For that is a good question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? What goes with us into the grave where we all will go one day? We are clothed there not with excessive finery, but first of all in a simple white baptismal garment that having been baptized into his death, we might with him rise up into eternal life. We might hold in our hand a cross or perhaps an icon. But we will not hold grave goods like King Tut. Our wealth and our toys will not fit into the coffin. Only thing that will fit there is our ashes and our dust and that cross and that icon. We must unload. We must unload. Yet even if we give away every visible possession, we might still hold on to unseen possessions that are perhaps even more dangerous than those that might be quantified, that might be measured, that might be tallied. We might hold on to more dangerous secret things, our sins, anger, jealousy, lust, gluttony. If you want to get to heaven, these two we must unload. We must unload. Where do we unload? We must confess 
we must stand before that icon and unload those entanglements that weigh us down. And if then we have divested ourselves of all our carnal entanglements, both seen and unseen, we might perhaps be gifted to possess heavenly things worth possessing, love, charity, kindness, gentleness, and more. If we possess and practice these virtues, perhaps by grace their seeds will be multiplied on earth. And when we with them are planted in the earth, they might multiply far beyond the value of any carnal treasures that we might have clung to. May the Lord have mercy on us. May he, in our encounter with him, show us what we are to do with our wealth. May he have mercy upon us to the glory of God. <laughs>